Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Decode Your Burnout with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. Now, if you are listening to this and you are burned out as a parent, you might really listen well today because my guest is Sue Donnellan, and she's an award-winning author, a parenting strategist, an entrepreneur, wife, and mother of four, including surprise triplets. So if she doesn't know about parenting, I don't know who does. Now, as a one-time reluctant parent and former yeller, um, Sue has lived the mom stress balance firsthand. She's a revolutionary thinker who's been advising parents and transforming households, reducing overwhelm for over 20 years with her unique parenting methods that have become the proven playbook for parents. Sue, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sharon. I'm very happy to be here. And it's such an important topic. And I mean, before we even talk about parenting and how to do it differently, tell us about, I'm so curious, you've got these triplets and you've got four kids. So were the triplets born after your first one or did you have the triplets and then decide it's not enough and I need another no. one? Hell no. No. no, 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 no. Um, I was not really even too keen on children, nor did I see myself having any. Um, I was on the fence, but I married a guy, you know, college sweetheart who loves kids and wanted, a, you know, a family. And I'm like, okay, this is the nicest thing I could do for anybody. I'll give you a kid. I'll give you a kid. This is really nice of me. And then after we had the one, I thought, you know, I, we should, let's have another one, another one just to give him a sibling. Cause we're tripping over ourselves with this one child, like accommodating his every need. And I'm like, no, 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 we got to let's, let's shake this up a little bit. Let's have another baby. And about three and a half, four months into the pregnancy, I had a little scare that went to a, you know, get the ultrasound and they asked me if I was on fertility and I was not. And they said, well, there's three babies in there. And of course, you know, many expletives coming out of my mouth, <laughs> um, you know, and just, just going from one to four kids. I literally, I'm not even sure if I've exhaled yet. I I've just, you know, it's been a ball of stress ever since I found that out. However, now that they are grown and um, I can say that a lot of the methods that I talk about and that I teach have worked because now they're off into college and graduated. And I'm like, okay, I've been through the teenage years. So you know, I have some stuff to offer, but yeah, I was a reluctant mom, you know, a reluctant parent just wasn't sure that I wanted to, to have them, um, which I think also informed my parenting too. Right. So I, uh, they informed a lot of the things that I talk about as to my parenting style, but 
anyway, yeah, no, I never would have had triplets and then another baby. <laughs> I mean, I've but, heard of that, you know, but yeah. I guess if you're reluctant to begin with, you're probably less likely to do that. Yeah. So I can only imagine because I've always said, oh, my God, if I had tri- forget triplets, if I had twins, I would like shoot myself because it's like I can't even imagine the stress of dealing with two at the same time, let alone three. So, and I'm sure there's somebody out there listening to this who probably has at least twins, right? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, So this is, this is obviously not a far-fetched sort of scenario. So how do you go from being this reluctant parent to somebody who not only has triplets and a fourth kid, but also is a parenting strategist, is now an expert in this field, is advising other parents, right? How did you make that transformation? Was there any sort of burnout story in there as a mom? Like what, what's your, what's your story? Yeah. Uh, well, understand that those that have the most to learn become the best teachers. <laughs> so, right. I was, not, you know, had no experience with children. I wouldn't have babysat for money. I had no experience and didn't want any. So I got thrown into the deep end, you know, with one to four kids overnight. Um, I also had my own business. So, you know, after college, I worked in the corporate world for a few years and then I started my own business at 24 and I didn't have kids till 31. So I was in my own business. I was making my own money, calling my own shots, you know, happily married. My husband's in the military. He was deployed you know, we were coming and going and traveling. So then all of a sudden, you know, you've got the one child, which is a huge change in your life. And then to go to three and now four, right. I, so when my husband, the kids were probably, I think my oldest was three and a half, four, and the babies were one. My husband got deployed to war at that time to combat. So we had just moved to Boise I had no friends and family here. I went, I had four kids under four and my own full-time business, which we did rely on my income. It wasn't just, you know, I was a full-time business owner. So, I mean, I, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that I was napping at red lights. No, no kidding. Just snoozing at red lights, like just grabbing sleep where I could. Um, so overwhelm and burnout is, was definitely my middle name at that time. So the transformational story here, so how does a person who has a lot to learn become a strategist? (laughs) It took me many, many years, but the real pivotal point for me was when he was gone and I was screaming all the time and yelling because I didn't know any better. I didn't have experience with kids. I didn't know how layered and nuanced parenting is, how psychological um, it's physically demanding, but mentally it's demanding and it gets more so as they get older. So I was yelling all the time. And my older child, you know, was literally put on this earth to teach me lessons. I mean, that's a whole other conversation, right? That's a whole spiritual, intuitive conversation, but he and I are the same. And I look into his blue eyes and go, and he was just zoning out. Like the more I yelled, the more he just was like, screw you, but you know, said it with his eyes. (laughs) And I, I just realized that that wasn't working. And at that time he was in um, a Montessori preschool, like a a kindergarten class. And the teacher there just saw, I was tired. I was overwhelmed and I was yelling all the time. And um, so she offered a class and I took that class and that sort of opened my eyes to, you know, if you know much about Montessori, it's, it's all about, you know, independence and teaching kids to be, have their own, um, constitution, teach them to be in touch with themselves and to be adding value to the family and how can we partner and these types of things. 
So I just took that one class and it really opened my eyes as to what kids are capable of even at a young age. And, um, you know, I remember going to a parent teacher conference, you know, showing up exhausted and overwhelmed and, um, you know, sweaty brow. Like, oh my God, I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm late. You know, just overwhelmed and embracing this whole persona that I now was living. And the teacher said to me, well, you know, why, why were you packing their lunches? Why are you, why are you doing all of these things? And I'm like, they're four, like they're one and four, <laughs> how, you know? And so she sort of opened my eyes into the Montessori way of thinking and training that what they do and what they're capable of. And um, just from that point on, I sort of, you know, that light bulb moment occurred for me and that and I, I just was awakened to what kids are capable of when you believe in them, when you respect them, when you have expectations of them, when you hold them accountable. And um, so that just sparked something in me and my business owner self, who's an entrepreneur, I'm very, you know, big picture, uh, jump in the net will appear, you know, I took a lot of the innate um, concepts and ideas that I had with the knowledge of what Montessori showed me at that young age and just expanded on it over the years and was able to build relationships of trust with the kids, um, you know, sort of sidestep a lot of the issues that other parents were having when they were punishing and using all the same techniques I was using when I didn't know any better, which is, you know, punishing and timeouts and yelling. And so, yes, I lived the stress. I, I know what it's like to catch a red, you know, a red light nap. I know how it's, Basically, I was a single parent for a little while. Um, my hat's off to single parents who are doing this, on, you know, on a daily basis. It's it's hard, super hard. Parenting is the hardest thing we've never been trained for. It's kind of bizarre. We shouldn't we have like a license for for parenting or something? Like, you know, we're all just flying by the seat of our pants and hoping that we can figure it out. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book because I learned so much. I wanted to share it with others and say, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah, I mean, I bet that your life experience, just bef even before you got to the point where you're taking these classes and you have this new understanding, like that piece, when you just told that part of the story, I'm sure there are people right now listening to that and saying, that's me right yeah. now, right? It's and all so of us. It's all of us. And it doesn't, you don't have to have triplets to be overwhelmed. One child is overwhelming. 100%. It, yeah, it's all relative, right? So, yeah. Um, well, one yeah. of the things we know is that stress is uh, uh, based on perception. So, it's not necessarily about your circumstances, but it's like, how do you deal with them? Because there are people out there who feel very comfortable even being the teacher of 12 kids in a classroom all by themselves. Like, I personally am not one of those people. <laughs> I mean, I, I can handle my two kids, right? But like, I couldn't do a whole classroom. And then there are people that have the one kid and they're totally overwhelmed, right? So it's not really your circumstances, but it's your thoughts. And one of the things that you learned along the way is that I can change my perception and have these exact four kids and be in these exact same circumstances and turn my whole story around. And that's what I'm hearing. You know, the very insightful 100%. That's the very beginning of my book, right? So when, when I wrote the book, I, I really deep dove myself and asked, how did I, when, when were my um, epiphany moments? And the very first overarching concept is 
um, that, you know, we our, our kids react to us. We we think we're reacting to them, but they're reacting to us. It's like a self-licking popsicle, right? You're, you're like, who came first, the chicken or the egg? But we are the adults. We're in charge of the culture. And if we don't change ourselves and how we show up, nothing will change. So when I realized looking into my son's eyes who were zoning out that when I was yelling, it wasn't going in. And it, I, I had to stop in, in that moment and understand myself and say, okay, what I'm doing is not working. Uh, I just need someone to tell me what will, because <laughs> like I said, I'm a business person. And so just show me once and I'll be marching in my, in the right direction. Um, and luckily I had that, that Montessori school when the kids were young to kind of point me in some right directions, but yes, uh, you have to change yourself. That's the, the counterintuitive aspect of what I teach is that we are, um, you know, we're in charge of ourselves. And if we're not getting the result we want, let's change ourselves because we can't be about changing others. And I get into all of that into the book. It's a whole methodology and whole mentality mindset that I teach, but we aren't in charge of changing others. We're only in charge of ourselves. So very insightful point. And that is the very beginning part of what I start teaching in in the book. And when I mentor. And I think you use the word counterintuitive. I think that is spot on because as a parent, it's always easier to just raise your voice and to nag your kid because you want them to just be very robotic and respond to whatever it is that you're asking them to do in that moment. And we're waiting for them to change, for them to kind of catch on. But we're not realizing that it's the method that we're using that isn't working, that if we tweak that, everything will fall into place. So like you said, we're not really trained how to do this job, even though it's probably the most important job we have. And the programming that we have really comes from our own upbringing. Like those were the role models that we had. We had our parents, whatever version of that you had, whether it was your grandparent or, you know, your mom and dad, or even like a step parent, whoever you grew up with, that's the role models you have. And as you're growing up, you often don't realize that there is another way to do it, that the way that you are being raised is not the only way that exists. And so we have to expand our repertoire and to be able to learn about what works better if the way that we're doing it doesn't work. And so I love that you've created a book for people and that you're teaching this because I think people really need this. Well, I, I wanted to share the ideas because like I said, I do know intimately how how it feels to feel overwhelmed. I understand that it's, we're all doing the best we can. And yes, we are bringing um, generation after generation of how we were raised into our parenting. And uh, while I was writing the book, one of the things when I said I deep dove myself, I, I took time to reflect. We have to we have to do that. We have to stop. That's one of the things that I do teach parents is how to take stock of their day and their thoughts um, so that we can parent in advance, right? So, but when I first sat down and wrote the book, I, I, I remembered that I lied to my mom all the time, all the time, lie, 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 you know. And I asked myself, why, you know, why did I do that? And I came away with the answer, which is that, you know, lying is about control and it's about trust, but it's about control. The only way that my mom, who we we were very, very close eventually, but she was a micromanager. She was very about punishment. I spent a lot of time in my room grounded um, and writing, I will not lie 500 times, which (laughs) only made me be a better liar, really. Right. I mean, 
So she's very, very much like Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, <laughs> well, she did her best. That was all she knew how to do to control this crazy girl that I marched to the beat of my own drum. I'm entrepreneurial. She didn't know how to handle that. So when you get a child, like either like me, who's going to push the envelope or any child who is their own soul, has their own purpose, um, their own reason for being here, um, we have to reapproach how we deal with that personality and help that personality thrive and controlling it, you know, restriction creates rebellion. So I asked myself, why did I lie? I came up with the answer that the only control that I had to, to, to affect any narrative was to lie. And when I was met with my back up against a wall and I was being punished, lying was my only option. And I joke because I eventually started my own sales business. And I'm like, mom, you tried to get me you know, you tried to ruin my sales business by telling me not to lie. <laughs> you know, salespeople are known for lying, right? So I was like, you know, we, we, we had a good laugh about it later in life. But the bottom line is that we have to be able to um, see that when we do knee-jerk reactions and parent um, through timeouts or through punishment or through any restriction, there's a better way. And it is a little bit more difficult. We do have to take stock and start listening and um, just kind of using more psychology. But when we're pointed in the direction of what those ideas are and how to do them, it makes things a lot better. So we do reduce that overwhelm in the home fairly quickly. And I just want to say that this sounds very similar to the kind of situation that people, the kind of advice that people get when they are struggling in their own life, irregardless of parenting, right? And we say that, yeah, you have to work on yourself. And I think it's the exact same work that you do for your own self that can be applied here because ultimately you get to that place where you are more in control of yourself and then you're less controlling of your environment of, and of other people around you. I think when we try to control other people, it's because we feel out of control. And so when you do the work on yourself and you get to a place where you feel grounded and you feel like you are wise and confident, then you can approach whether it's your own life or your parenting with a different kind of attitude, right? And I know when you were talking about this, I was thinking back to my childhood and how my parents were very overprotective and I had to lie because, <laughs> you know, I was also that really kind of free spirit and I wanted to do certain things and I knew that they were always going to say no. Right. And you know what that is? And so that's where we, I, I'm about relationships. So in the first half of the book, for example, I talk about your relationship with yourself. So the first whole half is about ego, guilt, control, all of these things to get ourselves squared away. Second half of the book is your relationship with your child. All parenting ideas are interwoven in the whole book. Okay. But the second half is a little bit more deliberate as to how we par parent with partnership, how we do respect, how we get them to, to talk to us about everything. So yes, um, those are, we have to get that squared away first. We have to have an awareness or a light shown on ourselves and how we're thinking and how we're showing up and behaving because, and what you had just said earlier too, is in the last chapter, everything goes full circle. So all the things we worked on with ourself in the first half of the book, yeah. okay, in the second half, we are instilling in our children. And the last chapter of the book is um, punishment is pointless. And I take every single point that I bring up and relate it back to the things we learned about ourselves. So it goes full circle. We can't 
um, show ourselves that respect and, and learn how to let go of control and guilt and, and understand that we're only in charge of ourselves. We're not in charge of others. We, you know, unless we are also raising our children and teaching them to also not have an ego and not be controlling and, and to not do guilt and to invest in them as individuals and find their soul's purpose. One of the best things I ever did as a parent was to help train and raise each child independently to find their purpose. And they're so sick of me saying it, but I'm like, what gets a yacht of bed in the morning? You know, I don't care if it changes. I don't care if one day you want to be a vet and the next day you want to be a police officer. What gets you out of bed in the morning today? And raising my kids with that goal is a, it's a whole different mentality. It's a whole different mindset. Right. So there's so much to unpack in everything you've just said. So I want to go back to the idea of working on yourself, working then on your parenting and how it comes full circle, which very much replicates the process of emotional intelligence, right? And so I write about this in my book too, where you start with self-awareness and self-management. That's where you're in control of yourself. So that means that you understand what are, what are the beliefs that are driving me? What are my thoughts about this? So when I'm in a situation with my child, for instance, like what's going through my mind that is creating all of these emotions, because too often we'll blame the kid or we'll blame our situation for how we feel. We're like, you're making me upset. And it's not anything the kid's doing. It's what we think about it. Right. And so we have to take responsibility for ourselves. And when we're able to do that and really understand ourselves better, then we go into the second half of emotional intelligence, which is about understanding others, which is empathy, and then managing those relationships. So now you're bringing all the skills that you've mastered with yourself and applying it to your relationships with other people. And yes, I think these things kind of perpetuate each other. And so you're either doing it right or you're doing it wrong. And so these are the really important skills to learn. And I think once you learn them, you can apply them in every situation and in every relationship. So it's very, very powerful. 100%. The, the more I spent time raising the kids and really sharpening my skill set, um, I became more successful in my businesses. And my husband, who was a fighter pilot, is now a general. So he went up the ranks in terms of leadership. And he said, you know, he learned more from me in terms of leadership by watching me with the kids and watching and hearing me on the phone and how I adapted and changed that he was able to apply on a grander scale with the people that were, you know, under him in the, in the military. And so, yes, 100%, all of these things are applicable, no matter what you do. If you're working in a big corporate world where, you know, you've got a lot of people underneath you, you're interfacing with a lot of people, or in my case, I worked for myself, but I was using those skills for, to raise children. Um, Yes. These things are all, um, like you said, perpetuating into every walk of your life. And I I will give one quick example. Uh, The last chapter I have in the first half of the book is called the magic mantra. And I came up with this mantra when my kids became teenagers, because when they're young, um, you know, you're very involved and they want you to be involved. And then by the time 12, 13 rolls around, they don't want you involved. Uh, So I came up with, I'm only in charge of me. I'm not in charge of you. And then I give a whole dissertation pretty much also how how that applies um, as a parent as as a friend as the, I give a variety of examples but that one mantra made the difference in every relationship because when I realize I take ownership for me and I don't have any control over you I let a lot of stuff go 
I let that control go. I let that, that need to be needed go. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff oh, here that, that mantra really affected in my life. Um, I have vendors. I had a vendor that wasn't paying me on time. So I'm only in charge of me. Okay. Why keep begging for money from somebody who's not paying me? Guess what? Less time on your brand, more time on this guy's brand. Like, where do I have control over me and how do I act differently or how will I affect a different change from with somebody? And that's the same with your children. Mm-hmm. So anytime you can kind of put back on them the ability to make choices, make decisions, ask them, how did that handle, how did, how did that work out for you? Any chance you get to apply those techniques to your child in a parenting role, we're creating independence, accountability, responsibility, all of those things. Wow. So we've said so many things so far that I want to recap uh, for people who are really thinking, you know, I, I don't really know how to do it differently. You've shared so many tips already on how to debunk all of the parenting myths that keep us stuck in the same patterns. I want to go back and review those. Um, so the first one I heard was what you learned from Montessori, which is giving your child a lot more responsibility because as parents, we think, oh, if they're only four years old, I have to make their lunch. I have to make their bed. I have to bathe them. I have to do all these things. And in fact, we can help them be more autonomous at a young age and help them do more. And I think actually kids crave that, right? They like to feel like they're big kids, like they're all grown up, like they want to, they feel special, like you're letting them do all these things. They love it. And I will, let me add this um, to this topic is that I noticed as raising four kids and seeing all their friends that came through the door, confidence is lacking in a giant way in children, especially girls. And Mm -hmm. I could talk for hours over how that manifests itself. And it's sad. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, having been through the teenage years where it culminates, um, confidence is lacking. The earlier you can start teaching and training because kids are adults and training, the earlier you can start teaching and training these things, the earlier they start building confidence in themselves. And we are the owner of the culture of the home. So when we're shown and taught how we can do this in our family, um, it makes all the difference. So yeah, I didn't want to interrupt you, but yes, though, creating responsibility, allowing kids to add value to their home and, you know, make, we, we had them do their own laundry from a very young age. They love being a value added member of the, of the family, not told what to do, but shown and then, you know, make it exciting and fun. And I give a lot of tips and tricks about how to make that fun, but yes, it builds confidence and confidence is hugely lacking in children today. So it really benefits the kid, but it also obviously benefits the parent because you don't have to do all the things. Right. And I mean, no joke. I dated a guy who, I mean, when I was in my twenties, who was, I think 30 and his mom was still doing his laundry. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Bye. Bye. (laughs) I mean, this is what happens when we coddle our kids. Like we think we're being so nice and thoughtful and we're doing them a favor. We're not doing them any favors. Right. And so this is why, right. I had to just interrupt here because why the first half of the book is about you because do and I ask all these questions, do you need to be needed? Oh, that is. And that's another thing that is ask yourself, what am I doing to ruin others? feelings about themselves because I need to be needed. It's selfish. It's about you. It's your ego. And that's the very first chapter in my book, ego, lose the ego. And I make, believe me, I, every single book, people are learning these things 
by me sharing my story. My ego was locked and loaded in that first parenting class. I didn't have much to learn. I'm just yelling, you know, hey, I'm working so hard here. My husband's at war, four kids under four. The teacher's going to feel sorry for me. I was, my ego was like on a silver platter until she said, and I say this in the book, she asked me a three word question that cut through all my bullshit, my self bullshit. Three words. Is it working? (laughs) No, no, it's not. No, it's not. I'm ready to listen. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have to get ourselves figured out first. If you need to be needed, you are going to be creating this weakened child to depend on you. And then you're going to be mad when he depends on you. And we see this all the time, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. So the first thing we said, just to recap is that um, you want to give your kids more autonomy. Yeah. Right. The second thing was the whole need to be needed, um, which I think really speaks to us not getting our needs met and waiting for our kids to fill the shoes of whoever else is supposed Mm -hmm. to quote unquote, fill them for us, which really is ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. really taking responsibility for yourself. So why aren't you getting your needs met? And why are you waiting on someone else to fill that gap for you? Because I think that is what creates that codependency that you often see between parents and kids. Um, You were probably raised by somebody who had that. We see a lot of children who turn out like that as adults because their parents had that codependency happening, you know, with them. And so if that's part of your story, then certainly there's opportunity there to just expand your circle a little bit and think about it in new ways and really focus on getting your needs met. That is absolutely your responsibility to do. And you don't have to figure it all out on your own. There's certainly therapists and coaches out there that can help, Uh, but to be aware that that's a thing and that get in, in the way of your parenting. And like you said, it becomes this vicious circle where, you know, there's, that need getting fulfilled by your kids, but then there's that resentment on the other end of it. So it's not a healthy cycle that you're going through. You're so good at putting the words to it. Um, You're right. Uh, We, and the thing is that it doesn't become immediately obvious that resentment is brewing. All right. Because when you've got a three, four, five, six year old um, that you're not training to be independent, making their own choices and those types of things, you know, the resentment comes at 13, 14, because now they want to be independent and now they've been their their growth has been stunted and now they're bitter and angry. I saw this all the time. I saw this with teenage kids. Like and parents don't always want their kid calling out the obvious. Um, you know, I used to tell a couple of stories in the book about how my daughter called me out on a couple of things that I was hilarious, but only because I was open to saying, okay, she's ready. She, you know, kids <laughs> are black and white they get to a point where they're ready for gray. When that point comes to where they want the gray and the nuance, and that's not good or bad, it's, well, you know, let's talk about this. When they get to that point, they're going to call you out. Mm -hmm. And at that point, instead of making it about me, I was like, okay, she's ready for the gray. So then I talk about all that in the book, but yes, um, you're, you're exactly right. You're, you, you are very good at putting all the words to it. (laughs) Your education is coming through. I'm just like a street smart person, but you've got all the right terminology. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And, and thirdly, as we said before, it's about working on yourself, which will be a worthwhile 
investment because you'll get the return on that investment in the relationships with your kids, but also in every other area of your life. So there is so much to be learned from all the lessons that you've shared here today with us. And I'm sure there's so much more in your books. I encourage everybody to grab a copy, tell us where we can find it and where people can connect with you if they want to continue the conversation. Thank you. Well, the name of the book is called Secrets to Parenting Without Giving a Fuck. Um, and I uh, run Ask Mom Parenting. So askmomparenting.com. You can sign up for 23 minutes to see if we're a fit. Ask Mom Parenting on Instagram and Ask Mom Parenting on Facebook. Amazing. So we'll have all of those links in the show notes. And Sue, thank you so much for being here. This is such an important conversation. And I'm sure this has been enlightening for a lot of people who are out there struggling and are experiencing that burnout because I've had a few people already on the show talk about mom burnout in particular, especially when you're running your own business or you're working really hard at work and then coming home and you've got the four kids or you've got the five kids or you've got the kids and the dog. And you know, it's like, there's so much going on in our lives and it can feel overwhelming. It can be really stressful. Like you said, like that stress ball that never is relenting. Right. But there are strategies out there that can help ease some of that for us. And so we need to just press pause on all the chaos that's going on right now. And even if you think that, you know, I'm already full and I don't have time for this by taking time out to focus on these strategies, you will actually create more energy, more time. You'll get your sanity back and things will be so much easier moving forward that I highly recommend people really pay attention to this and do something about it. So again, thank you so much for the work that you do and for being here to share it with us all. Thank you. I really enjoyed speaking to you about it all. Thank you so much.